coffee. What is it about coffee that makes it so damn good? Maybe it's the smell of coffee brewing that brings back that new to recovery feeling that we got when we first stepped into a meeting. Maybe it's the idea of holding on to one of the only things that still works for kickstarting our day. Maybe it's the way it brings us together, another one of the many things we have in common. Whatever it is, we in the recovery community love our coffee. And why not? Coffee is fuel. Coffee is love. Coffee is life. That's what makes Brainwash Coffee the perfect partner for us here at the Other Side of Hell podcast. Not only is every flavor of Brainwash Coffee mastered and handcrafted by obsessive minds who won't stop until they've gotten it just right, but 50% of all coffee proceeds go back into the recovery community to help those who may still be suffering, which makes Brainwash Coffee a no-brainer. My personal favorite is the higher powder. It's dark, smoky, and rich, and gives me just enough kick to really get into my day. Right now, you can go to brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code OTHERSIDE for 20% off your coffee purchase. Clean your bean with Brainwash. We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. Hey everybody, what's up? I am Cameron. And I am Willie. And this is The Other Side of Hale. Yes. How are you? Very well. Are you? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, well, I think. Are you being honest? As far as I can tell. Really want the truth from you. Yeah, I feel pretty good. Good. I, it's going to be interesting as we roll through this, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're talking about lying today. Yeah, which isn't honesty. No. Like, we're not talking about honesty. We're, we're talking, talking about the opposite of yeah, that. Yeah, lying specifically. Dude, this is, gonna, this is going to be fun. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got this topic because we have a war story today. Yeah. Um, our war story today came from Alika. Yeah. And, uh, pro recovery power. Pro recovery power. And Alika talks a lot about lying yeah. in the story. Yeah. Did you do a lot of lying? I've lied a little bit in my day. Yeah. I probably lied today. I bet you did. <laughs> when you say, say, Cameron, it's good to see you. Uh, no, that was truth. Oh, okay. That's always good. But yeah, you know, the topic itself like, like brings up a very uncomfortable feeling with inside of me because I held a lot of protection. I, I protected my lies with my life. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and those lies were probably a form of protection as well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I lied with the, like my life depended on it. And then yeah. I protected those lies with my life. Yeah. And then it gave me no fucking life worth living. This <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah. I, I you know, I navigate was, this. Dude, when I, when, when, uh, when I was lying, it was all coming from this place of fear. Yeah. It's like, I just, I just can't have, you know, my imperfections. Yeah. Well, I will get rejected. Right. Like we yeah. said it before, like, like if you, I have to lie to you. If you get to know me, not only will you reject me, you have to reject You'll have me. to reject You me. have to. Yeah. I'm unacceptable. Yeah. Well, I mean, because, you know, like I think when we were using and drinking, like we were, we were lying for just about any reason, right? Like we were lying to get what, what it is we wanted. We were lying to save face. Yeah. We were lying to, uh, to be, 
people, but actually like we're a little bit fat. Yeah. We, we were lying to the, those around us so that, you know, we could continue our negative behavior. Yeah. I mean, there was no reason that, that, that we wouldn't use to lying lie to ourselves. Oh boy. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I can handle it this time. This time it'll be different. I don't have a problem. I don't. <laughs> I can quit anytime I want. Yeah. And believing that shit too sometimes, you know, and that's the thing about the lies too. Like the people that we're lying to, they generally believe what the fuck we're saying until we get to a point where they don't believe anything that we say or do. Like yeah. there's, there's no, there's no more clout within our relationship at all anymore, you know, because why would there be? We've been dishonest and lied so many times, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, like, like, how do you get past that? Right. Like you have to stop the fucking lies. You yeah. Know, sometimes that's difficult. Like, you know, for me growing up and I've told the Santa Claus story a thousand times because it was so, it was so impactful for me to, to kind of look around and, and realize that I was being lied to as a child you yeah. know, on so many different levels, you know, and, and, and it wasn't like there was these intentional, like, we're going to fucking lie to these kids. You know, from yeah, there was the, no malice behind it. Yeah, the, the adults that lied yeah. to us as children, as as far as like, is everything okay? Oh yeah, everything's fine. You know, like you know, I just don't think that that they knew how to, you know, move through that conversation. You know, they didn't have program like we have, and then you know, people don't. Not everybody has this identity of trying to figure out how to be well mentally. You know, mm-hmm. and how honesty is such a huge part of mental wellness. And so like we, we learned to start lying at a very young age, you know, and, and you can go through and read different, you know, self, self-help or motivational books. And it seems like there, there is a common thread there. Like, like, uh, you know, we have to be honest oh, if we want right. to be well, the, yeah. the lies have to stop. And unfortunately they come at a cost like, like that, that stopping point comes at a high cost of, of emotional and, and spiritual damage to the people around us. And it all comes from a place of trying to be safe, right? Just mm-hmm. trying to stay safe. Right. Well, and let's, I mean, let's talk about the Santa Claus thing. I, I want to talk about it just because like, <laughs> okay. I, I, I wondered, like, do you, I know what that did to you, like from a trauma perspective and like, let, let me just be clear, like, we're not advocating for telling your kids that there is no Santa. Like, right. I, you know, to each their own, whatever the right. case is for you in that particular instance, it was somewhat traumatic. Um, but let me ask you, do you feel like not only did that situation sort of give you this sense that you were being lied to, but did it also, uh, maybe open the door for your own lying saying, Oh, well, turns out you don't have to tell people the truth for sure. Like, I don't, I don't think it was a conscious, like, 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 as you can explain it in a way that's conscious and understandable, like it wasn't that at the time, Yeah, it, it became a reaction to that. It became a survival mechanism in that, in that scenario. Like I no longer feel safe because of this thing that I seen happen to me, you know, like trusting the people around me and then finding out that I can't trust them. And then trying to maneuver through that stuff, it became a reaction, mm-hmm. you know? And so for sure, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you're not going to be honest with me, I'm not going to be honest with you. Right. right. If you're going to lie to me, obviously it's okay. And then on top of that too, like, 
getting caught in lies as a child, uh, knowing that the authority is lying about certain things too. And then, you know, doing the old point in the finger thing, like, don't you lie. Yeah. One, one pointed at me for lying and three pointed back at them. Me going, fuck it. You, you're a liar too. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. yeah. Uh, unbroken, you know, or, or broken promises, unfulfilled promises, um, all those things that, that are essentially are lies, right? That, yeah. Or maybe not, maybe not like set out as, as, like you said, a point of malice or whatever, trying, trying to intentionally calm, ha- cause harm, but inadvertently causing harm, mm-hmm. you know, through just being a fucking adult without a plan. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's the thing is like, I think that there, there's a, there's a couple of different reasons why it happens, right? Like why, why I was lying for, for example, like you pointed out that it is a survival mechanism. So for me, like when I would lie, it was a survival mechanism to a point. It wasn't so that I could as an individual survive. It was so that the ego part of me could mm-hmm. survive, right? Like I had to keep that part of me alive that believed all the bullshit that I was, you know, yeah. that I was taking in. Like I had to, you know, believe that I deserved the drugs, yeah. believe that, you know, I needed that stuff. And so I would justify these lies. Well, I, I need that stuff. And the only way I'm going to get it is if I lie. Yeah. So I got to lie, you know, and if I tell them the truth, then they'll think less of me. And I got to protect that ego. Like I, you know, I was, ego was very fragile, you know, yeah. obviously. And, um, in, in that state of drinking drugs and alcoholism and drug abuse and, and addiction, like that, I mean, lying just is all a part of that. Yeah. Like it just comes with the territory. Like I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get that drug. And without it, I will die. Yeah which is not necessarily true, but there is that belief that that part of me will die if I do not get what That's I That's scary. Yeah. I don't want to change. It is scary. I don't want to change. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm afraid, you know, and I don't know, lying, lying becomes second nature when it's, it's in that arena, that drug world. Um, because, uh, I don't know. Everybody does it like, and, and we find, we find that these consequences that come along with it, like as a criminal, you know, for whatever reason, I wasn't a very good criminal, but my initial on any charge that I was given, my initial reaction was a lie about it. Like get arrested for a crime. Like, did you do this crime? Nope. Even though I knew I fucking did. Right. Right. And then eventually I'll come around to the truth because the, the fight gets so overwhelming that I'm like, just fucking whatever, just sentence me, you know? But as a kid, you know, where, where I really started developing my lying pattern came from this place where like, I think, I think we all kind of try to dabble in truth and we all try to like express truth, but there's consequences behind telling the truth, you know? Mm, Yeah. And, um, like Les Brown, uh, the motivational speaker, Les Brown, he, he gives a pretty good example of like children. And, and, and I don't know how true this is, but I've seen examples of it in my own life. But he said, you know, children, children not lie naturally, right? You have to teach how to tell the truth, right? Like, that has to be taught, you know, and the example he gives is like the, the little kid obviously pees his pants. He's like, did you pee your pants? And the little kid's like, no. He goes, well, what's that then? 
I don't know. Right. <laughs> right. Because we're so afraid of what trouble we might the get. Consequences, in. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that comes from that comes from past experiences where we were obviously given the opportunity to tell the truth and, uh, the consequences were greater than what we may may not think would happen if we lied. And so then we start experimenting with lying. And so like, we'll have a behavior that goes against like the rules or whatever, you know, in school or at home or in church or whatever. And we'll be asked about it. You know, for me, stealing was a big part of that. Like, did you steal, did you steal, you know, I can't find this insert whatever here. Yeah. Did you take it? No. Uh, and then the conversation goes away, right? Like, fuck, I just got away with stealing and I got away with lying both. Yeah. Like that worked out to my advantage. I'm safe, mm-hmm. you know, and then go back out into the world and continue that, that negative selfish behavior and continue to try to get that same result over and over and over again. But it builds, right? Like the pattern gets recognized by the people that we're harming and eventually we're left alone because nobody wants to be around us. Um, and we're not living a life of transparency. So obviously we can't have a relationship with ourselves because we're living in this complete uh, illusionary world where we don't even know how many fucking lies we have. You right. know? We don't know who we've told what. We don't know what we're covering up for. And so when you get as far down and progressed in the drug addicted world as we were, like everything becomes a lie because we don't know where the fuck we're at. Anymore. Yeah. 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 Just, I mean, we're just so far gone, so far <laughs> removed from, from any, any idea of being a regular individual. Yeah. And, you know, our humanity is gone with it. Yeah. We, and, and we lie when the truth would serve us better. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking insanity. It's mm-hmm. more of the insane. It's more of the insanity. So, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that you said uh, was that you used to dabble in the truth and it made me think about, um, because I think that when we talk about lying, like you're absolutely right. Like the default is to lie, right? The default generally for me was always to, to lie as a child or whatever. And then, you know, like we said, we eventually became, you know, able to, to tell the truth. But when we're in our recovery and we're in that using state of mind, like we're going to lie. So let me ask you. Was there a process you had to go through to learn how to tell the truth? And yeah. was there, like, talk about the steps of that process. Like, I can't imagine it was just, like, overnight I'm telling the truth, right? Like, for me, when I think about this, like, I think about, well, you know, like, I used to I used to lie full out, like, flat out lie, you know? And then I would start telling, like, I would just skirt around the truth. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not... I'm not, t- I'm not lying. I'm just not telling the whole truth, yeah. you know? And, uh, and so, you know, that me is my, my loophole lying by omission. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, but then, you know, it got to a point where it was like, okay, whew, I'm just going to tell the truth, I guess, <laughs> like, whatever, you know, cause it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It is uncomfortable to tell the truth. So talk a little bit about your process with like getting to a point where you could, you know, tell the truth about things. Yeah. So I, I, I it's a lot of the same, you know, for, for me, you know, it's, it, it started the, the real path of truth and honesty started with my sobriety, right? Like, like it, 
admitting to my innermost self that I have a problem. Mm-hmm. Like I had to stop lying about that so that I could progress forward. And the, and the thing of it is, is like there was an internal calling to be honest about that. You know, I don't know. Mm. I can't say where that came from. I can't say that that spirit, I can't say that it's God. I can't say that it is or that it's not like yeah. inside of me, inside my conscience, inside of inside of me, like in this area of my life, you know, I'm pointing to my chest, like my mid chest, I could feel a need to start being honest about my drug and alcohol addiction. And so, um, getting with another alcoholic was a huge step forward with that, you know, because that person got honest and transparent with me first. Mm -hmm. And as I, as I worked through, um, basically I answered the questions regardless of the consequence. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like, like that's what happened for me. Like as the questions came up, I answered them honestly. And, and it was so weird because as, as the questions came up, you know, like in, in answering, you know, who are you resentful against or, you know, who have you harmed or anything like that? When I wasn't honest about it, I could feel it inside of my body. You know, like I could, I, I'd have like a, a, a physical reaction, a negative reaction. Yeah. Like it yeah. wasn't comfortable, you know, and it's still not like when I'm not honest, it's still not comfortable, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's to the point now where like having a dishonest desire isn't comfortable. But in the beginning, hmm. as I was going through this stuff, like there were, there were stories in my life that I didn't know whether they were true or not. Like I, I had been like, had this story in my life for oh, so sure. long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that I'd forgotten whether it was even real or not. <laughs> you know, one of them is like my sister stabbing me. Like I still not, like I have a scar, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that she stabbed well, me. What'd your sister say? She says she stabbed me. Like, okay. Like, but I, I'm like, I, I think I fucking lied about that. And I convinced her that she, <laughs> that she stabbed me, but, but maybe she did, you know, I have a scar on my shoulder and, but I also have two memories of, of one, getting hooked on well two of them like one getting hooked on a nail and one of them getting hooked on a piece of siding and so um and then i also have this memory of her stabbing me (laughs) yeah but i don't know which one's the truth but it feels like i had been lying about her stabbing me all all this time Mm -hmm. and so like just sifting through all that shit um i have to remember that i'm an alcoholic yeah and that we yeah. have a brain evolved to keep us alive with a mind that wants to kill me. And dishonesty, lying, not being transparent will separate me from my program. Right? And that will get me in a position to where I'm vulnerable to the disease of alcoholism, to the disease of addiction, to that self-destructive part of myself. And so I have to be really careful and pay really close attention to what I learned in early sobriety about being honest and not lying that... Um, I can, I can, I need to listen to that internal feeling that I have. I need to listen to my conscience and it's my, my conscience about, am I telling the truth or not? Because Mm -hmm. in sobriety, I've told lies and felt it immediately, but decided to continue to hold past that lie. You know, like, like I'm not, I'm not going to go back and be honest about this. You know, the one that comes to mind is like, uh, a couple years ago, um, I worked for a company and there was some equipment that got damaged. Okay. And, um, I was honest about that. And then like, I, I don't work for that company anymore. 
um, since then I moved out and, and started my own company. Well, I went in to rent a piece of equipment from this, um, from, from this equipment rental place. And the subject came up because the company that I worked for hadn't paid their bill yet. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And so rather than being like, well, that sucks, you know, fucking what I did was threw that guy under the bus and was like, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, fuck. He didn't pay me either. Like he made me pay for it out of my own pocket. And that was a fucking lie. <laughs> right. And immediately I felt bad. Yeah. And, and like I left and, and it fucked with my, my karma for the next fucking it's still fucking with my karma you know because yeah. i still haven't necessarily made that right like mm -hmm. he didn't need he didn't need that bullshit they didn't need that bullshit all i had to do is you know it's one of those perfect examples of i still need work yep right i was like i got into an uncomfortable situation my natural default setting is lie you know yep. make me look good i have to look good i have to save my face over my ass and like it, it just, you know, even talking about it now makes me feel like shit, you oh, know? And, yeah. and, and we've talked about the fucking grocery store honesty here recently on, on a few episodes past, like having that, that like desire to check out. Yeah. Having yeah, that desire yeah. to be dishonest about how much we're, we're really scanning in our car. And that's the, that's the default setting for a person like me is yeah. to, to automatically be dishonest. And so for me to fight through and be honest about certain stuff and not lie, regardless of consequence, mm -hmm. is a huge step forward towards spiritual serenity and, and, and peace of mind and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you brought it back to like sort of spirituality and 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 just that general over over well like um, overall sense of well being, right? Because like that's, that's exactly what it feels like to me is like, if I'm in a situation where I lie about something, I mean, in, in almost all of these situations, it sounds like the root behind why I'm lying is fear. You know? Sure. Um, sure. except for maybe the, the self checkout thing, which I think sometimes is just us trying to get away with something <laughs> because there's no, like, uh, like for me, it's like, I'm not afraid that I can't afford, you know, one pound of lunch meat instead of half a pound of lunch meat. You know what I mean? Like, sure. so, uh, so I think it's less about fear in, in some of those instances. Um, but for me generally now, like when I find that I'm like, you know, slipping and telling a lie rather than speaking the truth, it, it almost always comes from a place of fear. And the one example that I shared with you earlier is, you know, I'm at work, somebody's asking me about a piece of equipment and I have interaction with that piece of equipment. It's camera gear. You know, somebody's asking me about a specific piece of um, camera gear that I have interacted with um, in the past. And I say, oh, yeah, I own that at home. I have that at home. So I know how it works. But that's not true. Right. It's not true at all. Like, it, it was almost just easier for me to say that than to say, oh, yeah, like I've worked with that in the past because of this or that and this and this situation. So it was like easier for me to just say, yeah, I deal with that at home. But also it's like there's this fear that if I explain to him the real reason why and I don't have it, he's going to judge me for not having it. Like I don't have any money and, you know, like fear of judgment coming from this guy or or whatever the case is. And it's a split second thing where it's like, no, nah, it's just easier for me to say that I I own it. Yeah. You know? And it's like, well, it's still a lie and it still comes from a really weird place of insecurity and it's, yeah. and it's completely <clears throat> unnecessary. And, 
you know, and again, I leave that situation going, why did I just what lie about that? What the fuck is, like, where am I at yeah, today? Like, why would I just lie about that? Yeah. It's so dumb. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I'm with you. Like it does, it does make me, you know, like turn inwardly and go, okay, what's going on? Like what is really going on? Yeah. That was completely unnecessary. And you know, here I am. Yeah. And, and I think, I think for me, like, like what came out of my example is, is like after that, I took, I took some, some more action, Mm -hmm. right. I realized that there was definitely some work to be done on myself. And it, and it's like what you said, like what's going on with me that makes me feel like at this point in my life, I can't be honest with this person about this, this type of thing that I'm still being a child about the, the truth of things, you know? And so, um, I, I, I was able to do some more work and some more interaction with myself, some more pen to paper and, and realize that, that there's still a lot of insecurities that, that some of the stuff that I still deal with is like the imposter syndrome, you know, like, like a lot of times I still don't feel regardless of where I'm at, I still don't feel worthy of the position that I have, Yeah, yeah. you know, that I still care about what the wrong people think Mm -hmm. about me Mm -hmm. from time to time. And so the good thing that comes from that is, is that I can look backwards and I can, I can gauge my progress based on, you know, how long has it been since I lied like that? Yeah. You know? And what did it feel like then? What does it feel like now? And how does it serve me? Like, That's a good exercise. You know, and, and I can see that there's definitely, because it went from what we were talking about earlier, where our entire life was a fucking yeah, lie. Yeah, yeah, To where I can't remember the last time. It, well, that was the last time that a situation like that. And it impacted me so mm-hmm. to the point where, like, it, I highly doubt that I will do that again because it goes so far against my character. Yeah. Right. And so it's like these little test levels and and Mm. things like that. Like, okay, where are you now? Yeah. Okay. You failed there. Guess what? There's going to be a chance for another one, you know? And it, and it kind of brings the question that we wrote down. Like, like, like I would, I would like to navigate this a little bit because it's interesting. Like this question that we wrote down, like, is it ever okay to lie? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what is the proper lying oh, situation? Yeah. I feel like anytime that anybody says like, is it okay to lie? It always comes back to the example of, does this, does these pants make my ass look big? <laughs> yeah. You know, or does, does this shirt make my face look ugly? Yeah. And it's like, what about those situations? It's okay to lie then. Right. I don't know. Wait, because here's, here's the, here's the, the shitter of it. Right. Like, like, let, let's go to an example that I'm a little more familiar with. Do you like my cooking? Okay. <laughs> I hope Avery's my, listening. My, my poor dad oh. has ate shit food oh, no. my entire life. Uh, I would, I, sorry, shit food. You know your mom's listening. Yeah, mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> Unflavored food my whole life. Okay. Uh-huh. Not shit food, but... Ba- like, like my, my mom doesn't cook with a whole lot of flavor. Sure. Right. And so that's how I grew up was not having a ton of flavor in my food. So when Avery and I got together, one of the things that, that she demanded was that I be honest about whether I like it or not. The food. Yeah. yeah. You know, so she'll cook something and if I don't like it, 
here's the thing that ends up happening, Kay. If if I don't like it and I say that I like it, she's going to cook it again. Yeah, well, why wouldn't she? Right? And then I'm going to have to eat it again. And then I'm going to have to keep that lie up. And then I'm going to have to keep that lie up to protect her feelings from, from what I'm you know, that I don't like it. And then 20 years down the road, I'm like, you know what? If you cook that fucking chicken one more time, I swear (laughs) I'm going to strangle you because now I have a resentment because I wasn't honest in the first place, you know, and it, and it just goes out of proportion. And so it's so hard to navigate that. And I think it's a good example of like lying and dishonesty. Like how are those two things different? You Mm -hmm. know, like is being dishonest and, and, protecting somebody's feelings is that the same thing as lying like it's so it's so crazy to navigate because um you know you know is it okay to ever is it ever okay to lie like is it like i feel like my wife is really really good at um at navigating those like she's really good at being honest and she's really good at navigating that kind of stuff you know like i'll say hey did you like the chicken I'm so grateful that you cooked today. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, thank you for cooking. And it's like point taken. Yeah. What can I do better? You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and, and so I feel like that for me is like a healthy alternative. Like, well, I'm not going to lie, but I'm going to let you know that I hear you. I see you. I receive you. And that there is definitely things about this situation and this scenario that I have. I can appreciate yeah. and, and, and comment on. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, being able to, um, constructively criticize, right. Right. Something uh, as, especially if you're asked, like, you know, do you like this? You know, well, not really, but I appreciate you doing that kind mm-hmm. of, you know? Um, and then it's like, how, how do you like decide whether or not to even open your mouth, right? Yeah. Like, like, cause that's another form of, of dishonesty or, or lying or, or whatever. Um, you know, when it comes to a blatant question, it's easy to navigate lying it, and not lying. Yeah. It's either a lie or it isn't. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. When it comes to staying silent I mean, in a, a situation. A lot of gray area. <laughs> there's so much and, and lying boy omission is, is, is one of those things, you mm-hmm. know, like, like if you if you go to work and you get fired that day and you come home and like how was work and you're like ah it was work yeah yep did you go to work today yeah <laughs> okay yeah. Yeah. Or, or whatever yeah. like mm-hmm. you know the bottom line of it is is like you can put yourself in a situation by trying to protect another person that will create a resentment in you towards them yeah you know, and, and that never ends well. If, if you're living in a resentment because you don't feel like you can communicate with somebody uh, or be honest with that person, what ends up happening a lot is that, that your honesty isn't well received. Mm-hmm. And that'll put you back into what we were talking about earlier, that, that, that protection zone, like you're, you're yeah. back in, in the defense and position the and yeah. And, and so we'll get into these relationships and fucking next thing you know, you're 20 years into this relationship and you just fucking hate each other. Cause yeah. you can't be honest. You can't lie. You can't talk about anything. Nothing's well received. And that's not where I want to be. You know, that's not a shining example of recovery as far as I can tell, you know, lying mm-hmm. is so fucking just, well, just, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's tricky, but here's the thing is like, let's not, let's not, um, 
get too down on ourselves or too hard on ourselves because, you know, luckily now, like we, we have a little bit of program. And so we're able to sort of navigate these situations or scenarios a little bit better. And luckily we don't have to do it alone, you know? Yeah. Like, so those examples that we've given, like, obviously in this situation, like I left, you know, this conversation with this coworker and was just like scratching my head. Like, why the hell would I do that? Like, why would I, and you left this situation with this rental place and saying the same thing. Okay. And it's an opportunity to sort of look inward and say, okay, what, what's, what's really going on with me? Like, why would I lie about that? Like in my case, it's like, why am I, why do I care so much about what this individual thinks and, and where am I at spiritually? Right. But let's talk about, cause I, I can think of an example for myself and I can actually think of one for you too, but I want to, I want to, <laughs> oh, I want, I want you to give me, um, your situation of a moment where yeah. you have lied and then had to come back and tell the truth at a later moment. Because I know like for me, like if I have a, a situation where like I lie to my wife, it just eats me up so, so much. And then like in, in this particular instance, the, the example I'm thinking of is, um, because I'm still sick you know, uh-huh. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, there's, and again, this is, I'm being honest and so it's uncomfortable. So be patient with me, yeah. but going to be um, honest right now. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, but you know, like this is, uh, just a, a part of my process, right? So as a compulsive overeater, there was a moment where, um, I told my wife I was going to go to an AA meeting and instead of going to an AA meeting, I believe I went and got like some ice cream or something and drove around for like 45 minutes, <laughs> Okay, you know? So, um, so those okay. are the kind of things I do as a compulsive overeater, you know, and, and. I'm hoping that when I get home, my wife is not going to ask me how the meeting was. Sure. You know, and, um, and then I get home and Brianna sure as shit says, how was the meeting? Sweetheart. It was good. Honey. That's it. You know, that's it. That's the lie. right? Right. Right. And then the next day I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I lying to my wife? Like, you know, like I get that the food thing for me is embarrassing, right? Like I don't want her to know that that's, that I, instead of doing something super positive for myself, like going to an AA meeting where I'm going to be surrounded by individuals who are supportive and loving and, and, you know, my friends, um, instead I went and chose to live in the disease for, you know, the night. And I don't want her to see that part of me because it's imperfect. And mm-hmm. I want her to think that I'm perfect, you know, right? because she's my wife and I don't want her to ever fear that my instability or my insecurity or my issues are going to cause any sort of instability in her life. Right. You know? So it's split second decision. Good. It was good. Right. But then the next day, I'm just so torn up over the fact that I have lied And even though it seems like so simple, you know, like it, it's such a process for me. So I had to pull her aside, you know, like later on that night, I'm like, Hey, I want you to know that yesterday when I told you that I, you know, went to an AA meeting, I didn't. And instead what I did was 
I went and got some ice cream <laughs> and I drove around for 45 minutes listening to, you know, my favorite podcast. And then I came home. So when you asked me how the meeting was and I said that it was good, that was a lie. And I apologize, you know, and, uh, Anyways, it's not okay for me to lie to you, and I will, I will work to be more honest with you and, yeah. and open. Um, but I don't know that that's something I would have done, you know, had it not been for no. the program. Like, I used to be so good at sitting on guilt like that, you know, and and just or compounding that or eliminating that with the feeling of drugs and alcohol. Like, yeah. well, I feel like shit about lying, so I'll just drink that pain away yeah you know now i gotta be honest about it it's the only way for me to get that same relief that alcohol used to yeah. give me um and that's one thing that that uh that alika says in his story too yeah when he told the truth he got that same relief that alcohol used to bring for him yeah um but anyways so i'm grateful like that being said i'm grateful that that's sort of the program that i have today to where even if I do lie, I can look at it later and say, okay, I was lying and this is the truth and I apologize. I shouldn't lie to you. It's not okay for me to do and I'll work on being more open and honest. Yeah. Um, and, and that feels a lot better than just sitting on the lie. Yeah, it's, so. a, it's a perfect example of the 10th suggestion in, in the 12 steps, right? Mm -hmm. Continuing yeah. to take personal inventory and when, when we're, we're wrong, wrong, promptly admitting it. Yep. Like, and the reason that it, that it says promptly is because at, at some stage in your recovery, if you're going to be in recovery and you work a program of any type, it seems like we gain that consciousness. And we fucking know automatically. We know real quickly whether or not we need to fucking make this right or not usually like yeah. i know that's the case for me like i know sooner than later that i need to uh make that right yeah yep mm -hmm. for sure do you have any examples like that no i'm curious on what on what <laughs> on, on the example you have because like the one story i can think of yeah well, uh, apparently I was honest with you about it. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I assume that you probably don't care if I share it. No. Okay. What is it's it? It's a really great story. Today. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was just one of the days that we were going to come over here and do a podcast and you were sick. Okay. And you, uh, this was like three or four months ago. And you were sick the whole week leading up to the day that we were supposed to shoot. Oh, yeah. Right? Do you remember this? Oh, one? yeah. Do you want to take it from no, there? No, yeah. I, well, um, yeah, I didn't feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and COVID was rampant. Yeah, this was like and in the height of it COVID. It was in the height of COVID. Yeah. And um, I, I had mentioned I didn't feel very good. I still did my burpees. Like, yeah. <laughs> I like, <laughs> like that you're throwing yeah. that in. It still worked out. Uh, but, um, yeah. And, and, and I, we discussed and, and decided to not, or that we were going to shoot. And, and I was talking to you and you asked me if I had went and got tested right. for COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like, I didn't want to hear your shit. I was like, fuck, <laughs> yeah. fuck you and your COVID test. But I said, yeah, I went and got tested, you know, not, not considering any ramifications of it right mm -hmm. and it fucking started eating me up <laughs> and i started thinking well fuck what if what if i do have covid and cameron i 
gets sick and I got him sick. And then he thinks that he got us sick and like this, this your whole, mind took it. the whole fucking scenario yeah. just started snowballing. And so I called, I called Cameron and I said, dude, I didn't fuck. I didn't, I didn't really go get tested, but I will. And so I did, I went and did a spit test and it came back negative. And it was negative. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, apparently it wasn't COVID even though I, if it was, I still would have done burpees. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like the way that it made me feel was horrible. Yeah. Like I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't not. Uh, you couldn't come out. You, you, you I couldn't had, sit I, on it. No, I had to come out and, and let you know that I had lied and and that it wasn't okay. And I, I apologized mm-hmm. and made it right so that we could come and have the podcast. And well, and I think that it's important to share stuff like that because, like, I think like it's real live examples of of the program in our lives today, right? Yeah. Or a program in our lives today, right? Like, yeah, it, it's important. It even though I want everybody to think that I am perfect, which you are. Thanks. (laughs) I'm perfectly imperfect. Um, it is more for me, I think to remember that I'm imperfect and it is okay. So, you know, I'll share that and say, dude, this is where I'm at. Yeah. And it's fine. You know, it's okay. Like, so lying still, it can still come up every once in a while. It's just that now, you know, I have a program in place where I'm able to navigate that. And at least when I am wrong, promptly admit it, yeah. you know? So I'm grateful for that today. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> me too. It beats the alternative, you know? Yeah. Well, sitting yeah. on it and, and having nowhere to put it. It'll, it'll fucking kill me, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like, like this is a life and death situation where like one thing can lead to another can lead to another can lead to another and then you know i can lie myself all the way back into a bottle which will end up with me fucking dying spiritually first and then physically next and so and and don't get it fucked up you guys like like we're on this program you know we're on this podcast because we are alcoholic and drug addicts yeah we have these addictive personalities and that um it seems like the only solution to our problem is spiritual in nature, mm-hmm. right? And, and by spiritual, I don't necessarily, <clears throat> you know, you know my take on it as, as far as like an actual spirit. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But there are universal principles that seem to help exponentially. Yeah. Honesty is one of those things. Not lying, Absolutely. You know, getting transparent, communicating your feelings, staying sober, mm-hmm. staying away from the chemicals, the, the things that cause the, the obsession in our lives. Those seem to be the solutions to the to the to the spiritual malady in which we suffer, and so it's so important for me to come clean and yeah. clear up that karmic debt as soon as possible. Well, and the, and the thing is too is like even though it's uncomfortable, like by its very nature, to be honest, and and with the the world around us and and the comparison that we're constantly doing and the fear of judgment that we can have from others, it it makes telling the truth sometimes really really uncomfortable, but if there's anything that we've seen through our recovery and through, you know, the, the other, um, things that we brought into our lives to help us mentally, spiritually, and physically, it's that, you know, from that discomfort comes growth. Yeah. And so, um, so even though it might be uncomfortable, that's how we're going to benefit the most. Yeah. So, 
Um, you know, and, and, and it's great because Aliga talks about that in his story. Yeah. You know, he talks a lot about lying and how he was a compulsive liar. It didn't matter if the truth would serve him better. <laughs> he would still fucking lie yeah. to everyone. Yeah. You know, and then he got to a place where the truth was revealed. I don't think he really gets into whether it was, um, him revealing it or whether it was revealed some other way, but he talks about how that came out and, and eventually he did start telling the truth and how a opening up and telling the truth for him brought that same relief that he used to turn to the drugs and alcohol yeah. for. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what inspired this topic. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> it was really, really great to have him on here. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. And thanks for getting his story. Oh yeah, it's, my, it's it's such an honor to get stories from these people and, and, and talk to them one on one, and because there's so much dialogue in between. You know, yeah. we only we only have twenty to twenty five minutes for the story, but we get to talk before and after, and it really expand. I think we ended up talking for about an hour and a half, right on off of off of that, and and he had just come off the hills of twenty four uh, uh, four 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 twenty four, so. Uh, April 24th recovery day. Um, they were doing, you know, Instagram lives all day. And so he had, he had already been on two previous Instagram lives and then came on oh, the show wow. and so he's it was a got, busy day. you know, a seven month old baby. And so, and you know, he's got all, everything that he has going on. Like it was, it was really cool for him to find time to, to come on and give us his story the way that he did. And his delivery is, is yeah. on point. It's great. Well, yeah, it is a great story. I'm excited to share it with you guys. For sure. So with that, without further ado, here is Alika's story. Uh, my name is Alika. Uh, I identify today as a sober alcoholic and drug addict today. Um, I'm born and raised in Hawaii. Uh, I live in California now. But um, growing up in the state of Hawaii, um, you know, alcohol is, is part of the culture. If you've ever been there... Uh, if you are there, if you live there, uh, you know somebody that's there. Uh, you, you know that. Alcohol is just part of the culture, and that, that's how I grew up. You know, nothing really wrong with drinking alcohol. It's like drinking water, you know. Um, I started drinking when I was 13 years old, and uh, I got introduced to drugs when I was 15 years old. So I was in ninth grade, I believe. Yeah, I was right around ninth grade, uh, first time I got drunk. Uh, and I got, I got trashed on Coors Light, <laughs> believe it or not. You know, it's kind of like drinking water now. Um, and, uh, you know, the reason for me, I was trying to, like, kind of think of why some people, they got so, so much trauma, so, so much pain, so much, like, this is why I started drinking. This is why I started using drugs. Um, I mean, essentially, it was just really the effect that it produced for me. But what, what happened was, for me, um, I had uh, older cousins that lived with us. Like, you know, at certain times of my life and as I got older, like they lived with us again uh, throughout high school. And I looked up to them like like these guys, my cousins, because my brother, um, he's six years older than me. So he went to a, a private school on another island on Oahu went to Kamehameha. And after that, he went straight up to California to college. So I'd only see him during summer and stuff like that. So my, my older cousins, I would look up to them. And I want to be like them, you know, and, and all of them, all of them, they're all extroverts. They're all kind of like the life of the party kind, kind of thing. And me, I wasn't naturally, even to this day, naturally, I'm, I'm introverted. You know, I'm very to myself. I was very shy, reserved, very timid until I found alcohol. 
and I got drunk and, and it made me feel like how I think they uh, behave, how I think they look, you know, alcohol made me look better or like, this is what I think, you know, made me look better. I had more confidence. I could talk to all the chicks. Um, you know, I could, I could, uh, everything about me was better. My confidence was just, just through the roof now. And, um, you know, the rest is pretty much history. So, um, then, then drugs came along, you know, I was 15 years old at a party down at the beach and, uh, cocaine was put in front of me. And of course, like I'm looking like all my, you know, my, my cousins is over here. So like everybody doing it, my friends, my cousin, everybody doing it. Okay. I'm going to do it too. You know, because what I, I was trying to, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be cared for. I wanted to be part of, I wanted to be one of the boys, you know, all my older cousins. I mean, I mean, they all, they was always beating people up. There was always, you know, different chicks like every weekend and stuff. And, and like, I idolized that and I wanted to be like that, but I had a big problem. I was introverted. See, um, they didn't need drugs and alcohol to be social, but I did. I really did. So, um, you know, drugs and alcohol literally did for me what I could not do for myself. So kind of fast forward to take uh, a little bit. Uh, I was probably about right around 18, 19, 20-ish, right around there, where I crossed the line over into full-blown addiction. At this point, once I started, I could not stop. You know, I was, I was drinking and using before that, basically like, like, like if I was like a, an alcoholic or a drug addict, but I can remember times where I actually stopped on my own accord. See, once I crossed that line, I, once I started, I could not stop. I just could not, but everybody else around me, I was partying. It was the same thing. So to me, okay, that's normal. Like that's normal to, to be at the beach uh, for two days, drinking and doing cocaine. You know what I mean? Uh, like that was, that was normal. It was, so everybody parties over here, right? So that was normal to me. Like, like you know, I would trip out like when my friends uh, or you know a friend of a friend I met, I kind of know pretty well. Where we're all we're all partying, and then they're like, look at their watch, like, oh, bro, it's, it's, it's ten o'clock. I gotta go home. I work tomorrow. Like, that's not normal. What do you mean you gotta go home, bro? We still got an eight ball left. Like, what are you talking about? You know. Um. So I'll be like, okay, well, more for me or more for us, you know, kind of thing. Um. And you know, I learned like. I, I have come to believe that um, addiction is a disease. It is an illness that affects us like no other human sickness can. I truly believe that. Um, and, you know, my, my life is, is proof of it. So, um, you know, I keep doing the, the same thing. I, I'm partying. I, I, uh, I never, I didn't necessarily grow up in church. Um, I, I started going to church when I was about um, like 14, 15. At that age, you know, um, I, I was able to build a relationship with God, you know, through his son that he sent. And um, so it's funny, though. It's like I went from like, you know, I had the red jersey on and then I put the blue jersey on. And then all of a sudden at 15 years old, my my addiction just rapidly just um, just just progresses like unbelievable kind, you know, and um, in such a short period of time. But. You know, so as I, as I was getting older, I remember times, man, partying all night. And then I still, um, you know, I got like maybe, I don't know, half a gram left. And it's the next day. It's like 8 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, my parents knocking on my bedroom door. Wake up. We got to go to church. So I'm like, you know, pretending I'm waking up. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm straight tweaking already, though. You know, um, I can't even really talk. I have no emotion. I cannot smile. I cannot laugh. Uh, I cannot ha have a conversation with anybody. 
Um, but because I was naturally introverted, my parents knew that. So that kind of covered that. That kind of covered it up for me. The, 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 like I was really high and just tweaking out. So um, I remember those times it was going, I went to church and, you know, I, and I'm sweating. Hawaii is really hot. Hawaii is very, very hot and humid. And just, just sweating in church. And I get half a gram left. I go to the bathroom. I'm like blasting lines in church, you know. Um, and I just progress, 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 progress. Uh, you know, I couldn't hang on to a woman to save my life. Like literally, literally. I'm, like, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not kidding. I could not hang on to a woman to save my life. You know, my good looks, quote unquote, only could take me so far. Once these women figured out what I was really like, bam, they were gone. All of them, before my wife said, I do not. <laughs> and looking back, I totally can see why. Why, you know? Um, so since I was 15 years old as well, though, I always knew that I wanted to be a husband and I wanted to be a father. I don't know. That was just my biggest dream that I ever wanted. Uh, and it's still like that today. And uh, I mean, I had a huge problem, though. All I could do was think about myself, what I want, where I want to go, what I want to eat. You know, where I want a vacation, what car I want to buy, what store I want to go to, what beach I want to go surf at, what movie I want to go see. It, it, it literally was all about me. And, um, you know, women, they don't like that when it's all about you. And it's and it's not not about them. And then, you know, but over over this time, I started to develop the, the, the certain way of thinking and the certain behavior started to happen. in me. I started to um, um, start lying a lot. And, and I'm not talking about like when I was drunk or high, I was lying. I'm talking about in a sober state of mind. I'm just lying. Like I was a literally a habitual liar. I had a degree in, in uh, deception, like, like full on, you know. Um, and I started to get better and better and better at lying and manipulating and stealing. But it always was to self self. That's it. If I ever went out of my way to help somebody else, it didn't matter what it was. If I went out of my way, it is because I want something that you've got. Like, you know, where there was this girl that I was fooling around with or that I wanted to, and I don't, she need help moving or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, okay. But, you know, you can bend over after this is over, you know, kind of thing. Like, you, I'm going to get something out of it. I never did help somebody out of the kindness of my heart. But I projected that, that that's what it was coming off as. I, you know, but it was all a lie. Uh, and then as soon as I get what I want, boom, I'm gone. Uh, and then when I want it again, I come back. Um, you know, I've used so many people. I've, I've, I've used so many women, had sex with so many women and just, that's all I wanted, but that's not what I was saying. That's not what I was coming out of my mouth because I knew that I wanted to be married and to be a father, but some women, I was like, Oh, not to you, though. Definitely not to you. Maybe you. Oh, yes, you. But I can only think about me. So she is gone now. Um, <clears throat> let's see. So I kept this thing a secret as well for my immediate family for 20 years. I was active in addiction for 20 years. Um, I mean, that's two decades of my life. And in, in, in 20 years, you get very good in lying. You know, you get very good at it. Um, or what I did anyway. So... Um, <clears throat> you know, they just, again, I just started to progress and progress and progress, um, lying all the time, uh, stealing. Uh, like, I, I mean, I was still from my, my grandma when she was still alive. Um, you know, like we party all night. Oh, run out of money. We need more money to get dope. I'll tell my friend, Oh, drive me to my house. 
Um, you know, my grandma, I wait till she's in the shower. I go to her purse, grab her ATM card. Um, I knew her code because she would always ask me to go to store, go, you know, to McDonald's, buy her food and all this stuff. So I knew the code. Uh, and then boom, I'll grab money. Boom, the party's you know, going on again now, you know. Um, and kind of fast forward the tape a little bit more, like in my mid, mid to late 20s. I mean, I'm full-blown um, addict alcoholic, full-blown like disease of addiction all over me. I'm just totally unaware of it. See, prior to addiction, prior to crossing that line, I had a substance uh, abuse problem. Substance abuse and disease of addiction is not the same, you know? Um, so full-blown addict, full-blown alcoholic, and, you know, something I've learned about this disease is that it stems, the root cause of it stems from me being selfish and self-centered, self-seeking, self-reliant, like self-everything. It just revolves around self. Um, so <clears throat> fast forward the tape. So in about, I think, 2012, I, I fly, I moved to Oahu. I get a job there uh, as a valet in Waikiki. And um, I was about a month into it. Uh, one of the guys there that was the bellman, he, uh, he was he, the cocaine dealer. Um, and he showed me one day this pouch. I thought he was kidding, but he's here, smell it. Uh, I smelled it. I was like, oh, bro, you're not kidding. And man, that, at that time, I, I was thinking, okay, I'm getting my life back together. I'm not partying as much. I'm not doing this and doing that. Because I've had like these little moments of sobriety, you know, um, that was very, very short-lived. Um, so I, I progress even faster and more now because, because this is the kind of drug dealer he was. I'll buy one eight ball and you'll go, Oh, but I have a front. You want to yeah, take this too. Cause he knew I, I make cash tips. I'll be able to pay him like after every shift, you know, every day. And of course I'm not going to say no. I say, Oh no. You know? Um, and I, you know, I'm a liar on top of liar of why I'm calling out from work and I can't, you know, and at a certain point, my boss, all the employees, not just my department, like everybody knew that I was on drugs all the time, you know? So I, you know, call it off work so much. And I'm thinking, man, it's a, I worked at three o'clock, 3 PM, 3 to 11. So it was about noon. And I'm thinking, man, what am I going to tell my boss now? What am I going to say? What excuse? I use all kinds of dumb excuses already. So what I decided to do is um, punch myself in my eye as hard as I can, as long as I can, you know, like as fast as I can. And to my eye was just swollen shut. And uh, all I did, I took a picture of my face. I sent it to him. I told him what happened. Well, I didn't tell him what happened. I told him I made up a lie. Again, habitual liar. So I told him that uh, I got uh, into a fight with my dad. And, um, you know, this is what happened. So I cannot come to work. Uh, so he said, okay, but you know, sooner or later that, that kind of, um, way of thinking, it caught up with me. I like, got fired from that job. Um, and you know, I ended up meeting this girl, moved to Canada because Oahu is the problem. Now I got to get out of this place, move to Canada on the other side of the world. I just abused this relationship, uh, with this woman. I didn't, I never physically abused her, but I jacked her up mentally. You know, as Alex alcoholics, we think like once we get into recovery, like we start to recover, we, you know, we recover from that like seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and, and our brain starts to heal itself and we start to recover. But, you know, I, I, I never really gave too much thought to all the people that I did damage to. They have no program. What about them? You know, when I made uh, make amends to certain people, you know, but anyway, so, um, okay, what was the problem? Move to, to Canada. Okay, now the girl is the problem. Um, I, I'm out. I got to go back to Hawaii. Uh, so I was there for almost six months, about, about six months. Came back to Hawaii, jumped into business with my parents, and I blew up, man. I got my license. 
Um, I made a career out of it. I did it for years. And at a certain point, it, 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 even if I wasn't there, I still made money. The money was still coming in. And I'm like, I mean, that's so dangerous, man, for a drug addict and alcoholic. Um, and, you know, long story short, my, my, my mom, she got diagnosed with cancer a couple times. And then she got kidney failure. She was on dialysis for a year. She got the call um, that she got, she got the new kidney up in San Francisco. So that's what brought me to California, where I live now. My mom got her surgery. She got new kidney. And I was like, I'm, I ain't going back to Hawaii. My dad sold the business because my mom was sick. So he just sold it. So I have no ties to Hawaii. And I'm like, I am not going back. Because all I can see is all the people I hurt, the women I used, all the drug dealers I owe money to, all the places I just humiliated myself, you know, tweaking out and or being drunk and acting dumb and all, you know, that's all I could see. I was like, oh, heck no, I ain't never going back to work. Um, and so, uh, again, my behavior is still the same. My, my thinking is still the same. Uh, I was living with my sister in Rancho Cucamonga. I was just, I kept lying, all kind of crazy lies of what I was doing, where I was going. I basically got caught in a lie. And um, my, my deep, dark secret that I kept over here away from everybody was finally came out into the light. But because I lied to my sister so much, when the truth finally came out, she didn't even believe me. Um, but, you know, when I was, because like, this is what I was, my thoughts was this. Active in my addiction, I made a decision. I'm either going to die from it or I'm going to die with it. That's it. You know, because I've tried fighting back against just that first thought. I mean, I was no competition. This thing would just run me over like a Mack truck. And then, okay, I think about it, boom, I got to go do it. And then it's like uh, this allergic reaction happens in me where once I start, I kind of stop. So um, the truth came out. And, you know, that, that like drugs and alcohol gave me like this, this kind of ease and comfort. It gave me, and when my deep, dark secret came out of the dark into the light, it was that same ease and comfort that I felt that drugs and alcohol gave me. You know, it's no longer a secret. It's out in the open. Now I can deal with it. And I can seek out help. I can do stuff. And, you know, it reminds me of, um, I always give this example, like, like if you go into a dark room and you turn on the light, you ever notice that the light, that the dark never fights with the light to stay dark. It's instantly gone. That's exactly how it was like for me when my secret of hiding this addiction over here away from everybody came out into the light. And um, so now, now that, you know, it was an open, I was able to seek out help. I tried to go into treatment. I was calling different treatment centers for beds, rehabs. I couldn't get into any of them. So I started going to 12-step meetings. And um, the lady that worked at one of the Alano clubs, uh, she told me that uh, she has a friend that runs a sober living. So I, I, I got in touch with him, boom, went into a sober living. Uh, I tossed that program and I started to learn a lot about myself. Um, you know, working the steps, uh, you know, it was just amazing, you know, and um, my very first meeting, I meet this guy, he buys me my book. He tells me here, call this guy, bam, that guy became my sponsor four days later. And, uh, you know, I'm on the road to recovery now. I'm starting to learn about myself. I, I've, I've learned so much about myself working the steps. It's just unbelievable how, how, how it works. Um, I don't want to, you know, get too detailed about this, but um, I'll just kind of tell you guys, for me, one of the, uh, the fourth step, my fourth step, making a searching and fearless more inventory of myself. Whew, that one set me free, man, because I was a victim. Like when I got to my inventory on resentments, all the way up until a certain part, I look at it on paper, it's so justifiable. It is totally one of, like I could show it to somebody and they go, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. However, there's one, that one section, the very end, 
where I got to talk about what my part in it was. Because whether it was 1% or 99%, in all my resentments, I had a part to play in it. So I got to see my truth. You know what? It exposed who I really was. I mean, like I found out, man, I'm not the nice guy I thought I was. I literally thought I was a nice guy, like literally. And I was like, wow, I really am not the nice guy I thought I was. After completing my entire fourth step, I, I mean, I stopped cutting myself and blaming the knife already. I was able to take responsibility for where I was at in my life for the first time ever. I was 33 years old when that happened. And like, I mean, so much, so much um, uh, freedom I got from that. You know, um, five, six, seven, eight, nine, leading up to uh, making amends. Um, that's that was some more freedom but honestly for me personally i got more freedom it just me uh, out of my fourth step than the ninth step you know cleaning my side of the street um and then you know i i, I try to do my best to just 10 11 12 every day my sponsor told me look if you a 10 11 12 will prevent a four five six seven eight nine you know so i'm like okay i got you that makes sense you know and since i completed my fourth step it was about almost three years ago since that day, I have never, ever, ever copped the resentment toward anybody because I understood it. I understand it is infinitely grave. It is fatal. It is poison for somebody like me. I can literally lose my life off of resentment. A drug or alcohol don't have to even be involved. It's very, it was very clear for me. You know, so that, that's another thing that God helps me to do because I cannot do that all in my own strength. I really cannot, you know, um, and and the fast forward a, little, a lot more now. In the middle of the pandemic last year, I, I wanted to help people. I wanted to help people that's in recovery because I was already doing it. I was sponsoring. I was, I was doing H&I panels. I was speaking all over the place. I love doing that. And like everything shut down, I thought, wow, I'm going to create another page on Instagram called Pro Recovery Power. So that's what I started to do. And then I started, wow, yeah, I started to think, I'm going to start going live with other addicts and other alcoholics, telling their story, inspiring hope, because one thing that the, the government can shut down everything, but one thing that they cannot shut down and one thing will never shut down is social media. So there's a lot of people on social media all around the world that struggle with, with drug and alcohol abuse. You know, I mean, in 2019, 760,000 people in the United States died as a direct result of, uh, of this disease of addiction. You know, death is inevitable. But death due to um, this addiction uh, is preventable, 100% preventable. Um, so I started this. I started going live with other addicts, other alcoholics. And then I had the thought, wow, like, I don't know. I feel, I feel like God put this dream in my heart. And I was thinking, wow, I can reach people on a, a, on, a, on a bigger level if this is a nonprofit organization. So I'm literally right now in the middle of turning Pro Recovery Power into a nonprofit organization to reach the masses who struggle with drug and alcohol addiction, you know, to, to get help them out of the dark into the light and recover from their addiction. Um, and we started, you know, I started making recovery clothing. Uh, I got in touch uh, with, with, uh, with Johnny. Johnny was on your guys' show too. With Johnny, I did an interview there at the shop in Pasadena with Team 12. Then boom, I met Nick. He's the owner of Team 12. He makes recovery clothing himself. And I mean, like God just opened so much doors. Boom, 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 boom. Doors flying open, you know, for me. Um, because I really, really, really do have a heart for helping other people. You know, I was told, and I agree with this, that, you know, we're never more like God than when we're helping hurting people. I mean, addicts, specifically addicts and alcoholics, they got a special place in my heart, man. I will never get tired of carrying this message, ever. I can literally do this kind of stuff all day. 
I mean, and but I mean, I can, but my wife doesn't let me. Like we talked, like earlier, I was talking with Willie earlier about being balanced. You know, we gotta have a balanced life. I, I believe that this disease of addiction gave me a purpose to carry this message to other people that's sick and suffering. You know, um, so with pro recovery, I then, I'm sorry, I forgot this part. I became a substance abuse counselor. And then I went on to get my degree in, in substance use disorder counseling. So with PRP, the, 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 the mission, the vision behind it, it's see the recovery clothing, the YouTube page, going live with other alcoholics, the, our, our website. These is all tools to get me in front of the person that's sick and suffering. Because when I do those one-on-ones or groups or whatever it is, that's where I thrive. I, I, I have been told that I'm a, I'm a really good teacher because in my past career, I had, to, I had to teach a lot of classes at the public speak. Um, and I just, I got better at that, you know? You know, but it's amazing, man. Like what was meant for my harm, God took it and he turned it into good. You know, I honestly, I do not hate drugs. I do not hate alcohol because if it wasn't for that, this purpose, they wouldn't have gotten birth in me. And I wouldn't be a, 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 just have such a passion for recovery, for helping other peoples and a passion to grow, to grow, to grow, you know, grow along spiritual lines. But like even in my finances, in my relationship uh, with other people, my marriage, not just my recovery. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Somebody was just trying to call me. Um, you know, things like that, you know, it's amazing. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm so excited about my future and, 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 uh, and um, you know, what God will do with me in it, you know, because honestly, I'm just his vessel. My way wasn't working. My will wasn't working. It's amazing how God let me, he let me run in my will for 20 years. He said, okay, go ahead, no problem. You know, but honestly, I got, I got to this point where I'm at today, literally by doing it somebody else's way. By um, uh, uh, taking suggestions and following directions, you know, and that has totally just transformed and just sent the whole trajectory of my life in a whole nother direction. And I'm, I'm so glad that my heart is still beating, that I'm still here. You know, this world will know I was here before I leave. Like, like I know it, you know, I just got, I got such a big drive and, and passion and purpose that just pushes me, you know, but um, thank you guys so much for letting me share. That's my story. So if you guys, you guys want to check out Pro Recovery Power, you guys want to know what it's all about, you can reach us on Instagram at Pro Recovery Power. So there's Pro underscore Recovery underscore Power. You can also go to our website, which is ProRecoveryPower.com and check out what we're all about. You guys can see uh, our vision, what, what, what we're going to do for the communities, what we are doing. You know, COVID kind of put a halt to, to some of these things, um, which, is, which is okay, you know, um, so... I'm just trying to do the best I can with what I got. Also, our YouTube page. You can check us out there, Pro Recovery Power, right there on YouTube. But thank you guys again so much for everything. And we're back. Welcome back. What did you think about that story? I I, I dig listening to Alika. I can do it all the time. And I appreciate him giving us his story. So Pro Recovery Power. Yeah, PRP. That was. Uh, there's was definitely amazing. some meaning behind that. So appreciate it. Liked, uh, I liked hearing about I, I liked hearing about that. I liked hearing about you know his his whole upbringing, the culture, the culture. I, I, I find it fascinating when we get to talk to these people from you know from in in this case Hawaii. Yeah. To hear you know what it was like to grow up there in that culture and really have alcohol play a big role in yeah. in growing up that way. Yeah. 
Utah, Utah, there's there's not a huge drinking culture in Utah. It's a little bit different here in Utah. Now, where I grew up in Wyoming, in a trailer park, in an oil field town, drinking culture was part right. of it. But mm-hmm. where we're at now, like my kids don't have a drinking culture in their lives. I did know? not have yeah. a drinking culture. You didn't. You know? I mean, when I got older and then I eventually took a job with the government then there was a little bit of a drinking yeah. culture where people were, you know, constantly getting drunk on the weekend. Yeah. But not growing up. No. You know? and, no. And so, of course, it's going to turn out that way, you know. And then being introverted. When when I hear people talk about being introverted like Alika did, I... I I kind of identify with that, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm super anti-social. Like, yeah. like all this stuff, like sitting behind this, the, the camera on this side of it is, is, it's fairly simple for me. It's not easy, but it's simple. But when I go to meet a new person, like, like even, even though I've spoke with Alika before, it's so fucking oh, uncomfortable for yeah. me. Like, and I wonder if that's some introverted nature, you know, um, I may not seem that way, but um, interacting with people, uh, especially new people one-on-one is very uncomfortable. And, and I agree alcohol and drugs were the fucking solution for that. Yeah. You know, that put me on an even playing field and even if I could do more than you now I'm better than you. Yeah, exactly. So no longer am I beneath you or equal to you. I'm better than you, but it took me a lot, a lot of fucking practice to get there. And well, by that time, booze. yeah, by that yeah. time I was a fucking alcoholic. Yeah, and now I'm too far. I took it too far. Drink. <laughs> now I don't want too many people around because you fucking take all my booze. Yeah, know? man. I remember that for sure, dude. Like I, I, uh, remember having like a first date with a couple of, uh, of, of girls where it was like a blind date, you know, I didn't know them. They didn't know me. And I was like, I was super nervous and super introverted. So I'll just take a couple shots before I go. That was the way to like. To, to get over that anxiety yeah. and really like get into a point where it was like, okay, I feel a little bit more like me, yeah. you know? But yeah, I mean, how quickly did it go from that to too far? Now nobody wants yeah. to be around. And me. he talked about that, you know, yeah. the progression was really fast, you know, but mm-hmm. the, even, even being around family members and, and, and seeing like the, the cocaine going around and being like, well, I want to be accepted and, and it's really common for yeah. us to like fucking shoot ourselves in the foot to be accepted by, you know, whatever the crowd is around us. Like we'll fucking kill ourselves for love. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's part of the insanity of alcoholism and drug addiction and, and maybe humanity in, in general. Right. You know? Maybe, you know, because we find this commonality between food addicts, drug addicts, sex addicts, gambling addicts. Like there's this, this desire to be accepted because we're so uncomfortable in our own skin and, and being able to, to come on this platform and, and identify with that, you know, I appreciate people sharing that stuff, you know, and, and he took it to a place where now all of a sudden, you know, he's fucking lying to everybody all the time, yeah. including yeah. like the, the, the places that he's stealing from. And I could identify with stealing out of purses. Like yeah. I did that to my mom, stole from her company, stole from my dad, stole from everybody around me and then tried to lie about it. Oh, fuck. By that time, they all fucking knew it was me. Mm, yeah. Yep. And, but we would still lie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Nope. No. Wasn't me. What are you talking about? Yeah. You know, and poor grandma, like mm. his grandma, you know, like, fuck. Yep. I, I don't have as much money as I thought, 
you know, it's because the leak is stealing it. Yeah. You know? And, and I'm, I'm grateful that he's, he's at a place where he can talk about that. Openly. Yeah. Yeah. Like not have, not have the shame that, that want, he once had because of that. Oh, stuff, I'm sure. You know? Well, he can be honest about it now. And I think yeah. that's the first step to really moving past it. Yeah. You know, it's bringing it to light. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what, what I liked about his story too, was he talked about how, how, uh, how unnormal it was to hear the normal people <laughs> yeah. talk about, yeah. you know, their stuff. Uh, and, yeah. and I, I identify with that, like, yeah. you know, and <clears throat> even today, like we can talk about how, you know, people will be like, what, what just, just recently we were, Ryland was talking about how he wasn't going to eat cause he wasn't hungry. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, what does that have to do with eating? Yeah, what, what the fuck? What do you mean? All right. So what if you're not hungry? Exactly. Like, and and I mean, you know, like it's it's a funny anecdote, but the same thing applies, yeah. right? Like when I hear normal people, like my wife, can leave a half a glass of wine out, you yeah. know, and it's that just like, how does that even how do how does that work? Like I don't get it. Yeah. You know? Go home for you got to go to bed for so you got work tomorrow. What? Right. Yeah. What but, does that have to do with the eight ball that we right? Got? Yeah. Exactly. You know, and and like he fucking ran, ran his course, you know, through jobs and, you know, the, 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 um, valet job in particular that he talked about. And then, uh, you know, the progression of it got to a point where he was finally willing, you know, to surrender mm-hmm. to some of this stuff. And it was necessary, you know, especially he starts taking care of his family and, yeah. and becoming responsible for that type of stuff and, and finding the community, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's needed. Eventually it's needed. It's necessary. You know, the lying has to stop because like you were saying before we watched the story, you know, the truth finally came out anyway and it always does. Yeah. 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 Maybe in varying degrees, you can't hide your alcoholism or your drug addiction forever. Eventually that moment of incomprehensible demoralization comes where you can no longer hide who you really are from the world. And whether it comes in a moment of death and, and the doctor tells your wife, how much does he drink? Mm-hmm. And it turns out that alcoholism killed you and you, you died an alcoholic and now it's a surprise to your family or you end up on the streets and everybody can see it on your skin. Like, like eventually the truth comes out and, mm-hmm. and hopefully it's before you die. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I was just, you know, I was going to say something very profound. I'm sure everybody knows that that's how I roll. But yeah, we'll say it. No, I'm, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just joking. Like I, yeah, no, I mean, Alika, you know, was, was able to put all of that stuff out there now in a way that I'm sure, you know, is, is only going to benefit him by being that transparent. Yeah. And, you know, we're so glad that he's able to do that now as opposed to, you know, having it had to get to the place where you're talking about where, you know, um, um, that you're, you know, it's, it's life or death for us, for sure. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to get to that way before we realize what it is we need to do. Yeah. And I'm grateful that he's at where he's at now. He's able to share his story with us. And I thank you so much, Alika, yeah. for sharing your story. And, and again, Pro Recovery Power. Check out ProRecoveryPower.com. Um, there's some awesome merch there. And he's got a YouTube as well. And we'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes. So check that out. And, uh, and yeah, it's yeah. great, great to connect with him. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like, uh, like you're going to be on his show. Uh, I, yeah. Is that, is that right? 
Yeah, I, th- I think you're invited too. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, oh, <laughs> we're gonna be on his show. Yeah, we'll go live with him and just chop it up, man. These these Instagram lives are really fun. You cool. Know? So, you know, it, it, anybody like if you're following any of us on Instagram and you see that Instagram live thing pop up, you never know what you're gonna get, what we're gonna be talking about. Um, you you know, it's fun to interact with people from all over the world, and that's yeah. you know, Instagram is really a big 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 place where we've we've connected with all these people that we have on here if they're not from from a local place they're either from facebook instagram or twitter mm-hmm. you know one of these social medias so uh for us like, as a podcast it's been a great tool yeah mm-hmm. yeah and for us as in reco- people in recovery you yeah know, it's been mm-hmm. a great tool yeah so check us out at the other side of hell 101 on instagram yeah mm-hmm. But well, dude, with that, what do you think? I got. I, can I be honest? No. <laughs> yes, please. I can't lie, bro. Feels pretty good. It's a good show. Yeah, it re- it reminds me of how far I've come. Yeah, how easy you, it is to be honest now. I think I need that every once in a while, you know. Yeah. So good show, man. Good show. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me over, Jordan. Thanks for doing everything you do. He's playing Candy Crush Rylan. back there right now. Rylan, thanks for showing up. You're amazing, dude. Thanks to everybody that listens. Um, be sure to check us out. If you guys have any issues, you need support in any way, please don't be a he- uh, hesitant to reach out to us. We'd love to help you any way we can. And with that, please remember that you are worth the work. We will see you on the other side. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.